This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our experts for Friday, Oanda Senior Market Analyst Ed Moyer in New York and Trader Nick also from the United States. How are you doing, guys? Good, Johnny. Thanks for having us. Let's start with you, Ed, and a raft of US data out today. How have markets taken to these numbers? I think um, it was uh, a steady dose of data, and there were not that many surprises. Obviously, earlier in the week, we had a very robust GDP report for the third quarter. And uh, today's uh, personal income and spending data confirmed that you know the economy peaked in, in the third quarter in, in September. We saw better spending than expected. Personal incomes came in a little bit soft, which kind of is uh, painting that picture of a fourth quarter slowdown that a lot of people are believing is is what will happen. When you take a look at the PCE data, we saw core showed uh, the, the biggest monthly advance in four months. Um, but still, I think overall, the disinflation trend still remains intact. When you take a look at expectations for next month's reading, the October PCE report, right now it's seen at 3.2%, which it's not too far from 2%. You know, we've really seen a lot of progress here with inflation. And I think there's this belief that things are going to continue to, to steadily decline. We also had the final University of Michigan sentiment report, which for the most part, we don't cover it. But I think it was interesting to see the one-year inflation expectations. Uh, those were revised uh, pretty significantly higher from 3.8% from that preliminary reading from just over a week or two ago to 4.2%. Obviously, there is some stickiness happening, and that is what's behind uh, this. I think we've said higher for longer at every podcast over the past few months, <laughs> and now higher for longer is is likely to, to remain in place. Um, if inflation expectations are elevated or are rising, um, that's going to force the Fed's hand. And, and next week is going to be huge because we, we have obviously the the FOMC decision but we also have the quarterly uh, the treasury's quarterly refunding statement and if we remember what happened last time uh that's what really you know sparked the bond market sell off um i think there's you know this expectation that obviously because we're having more financial commitments uh, we have a house speaker now we'll be able to pass through some uh pieces of spending I think we have funding that's needed for the war in Ukraine, for the Israel-Hamas conflict. And you're going to see that issuance is, is really going to start to rise. Um, there was expectations that it was going to be more so next year. But if we do see the Treasury have to bump up their short-term sales, uh, that, that could be very market moving. So I think next week is going to see potentially excessive dollar volatility. You, you have the Fed, the Treasury statement, the BOJ. Um, as kind of like the main events, which could really, I think, trigger um, um, some big moves here. And um, I think for for now, it seems that you know the the soft landing hopes, the the optimism that the U.S. growth story is is going to soften, and we're going to have a slowdown now. Um, but there's still hope that inflation is going to continue to come down, and that's the question. We don't know, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll get a sense over the next few months if if um, inflation is going to steadily fall to the Fed's target. And I think there's um, a, a big argument being made that that might not be the case. 
And as you mentioned, in terms of the uh, idea of, of softening in the economy and all of these sorts of things, one, one key indicator is, of course, earnings, especially with the megatech companies uh, that have reported so far. We've had a really busy week in terms of earnings. We've heard from Amazon. We've heard from Alphabet. Uh, we've heard from Meta. Uh, and, and it's an interesting kind of week because, as you mentioned, there's now this, this call into question about how potentially likely a, a soft landing could be. Well, there were a lot of companies this week, it seemed that actually reported decent uh, numbers, right? You had you had beats on the top and bottom line for several of the big megatech companies. But there is also this case that if there's any fear uh, or rising fears about uh, a possibly harder than expected landing, these companies have been uh, bought up in, in terms of uh, you know share price and price to earnings quite a bit this year. I mean, just look at the Dow, which is trading I think slightly negative on the year relative to the Nasdaq, which has had uh, you know at some points in this year over thirty percent gains. So you have these megatech companies that are uh, you know they are technically hitting numbers decently with some you know presenting better or worse guidance going forward. But the big thing here is that it doesn't seem like what was working uh, is is now being kind of, it seems like it's now being looked at less so as like this impenetrable fortress. Uh, and we're seeing some of the megatech companies come down, which to your point about uh, soft landing stuff, the bulls have been pointing for megatech to lead for you know this whole year as they have. Uh, but if that gets called into question, it really could uh, signal some downside for for equities in the short term. I think also, you know, we had, uh, you know, of course, everybody's paying attention to the megatech earnings. Uh, we also, however, have uh, some of the big oil guys and girls presenting their data with uh, Exxon, Mobil, and Chevron uh, this week. Uh, what do you think about that, Ed? And again, I guess, do you have anything else, if, you, if there's anything else you wanted to add on the megatech stuff? Of course, like I said, pretty good earnings. Uh, a lot of things being better than expected. You know, Meta really great reporting. You know, we even saw uh, consumers uh, showing up for for ad spending in some ways. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel with all these megatechs? And then also, I guess Chevron, Exxon. What's that telling you today? I think with you know mega cap tech, we've seen you know this expectation that going into this earnings season, we were going to start to, to hear more concerns about the consumer. Um, it, it's pretty clear where mortgage rates have gone, credit card debt is rising, excess savings are dwindling. So th there was this belief, maybe Netflix would struggle, maybe Apple demand might be a little soft for some of their products. And the hope was that you were going to see, you know, the AI trade cloud really be the catalyst for mega cap tech. Well, uh, Microsoft delivered, Alphabet struggled, Amazon um, had very good um, cloud numbers. And I think one of the things that kind of helped them is, they, I mean, their, their stock was beaten up for you know parts of the year. And the, some of that's because they've been trying to drive through this cost-cutting initiative. So it, it's all about timing. But I, I think, you know, the, the mega cap tech trade seems to be intact. Next week we get Apple. That will probably... Uh, be closely watched as we'll we'll see exactly how demand is holding up. Um, but I think there's there's this belief here that you know we've we're we're through um, you know a good part of these earnings and for the most part the 
U.S. you know exceptionalism story remains intact, um, and I think there's this belief here that the labor market is start, starting to show signs of weakness. So consumer stocks will eventually struggle, but we're not there yet. I think we, you know we're we're still going to see decent growth in the fourth quarter, and uh, that's good enough for earnings to hold up. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I think when you you know take a look at what we got from Exxon and Chevron, the uh, earnings. We're both lower than expected, um, but obviously, you know, Exxon's raising their dividends. Um, I think these oil at these levels, it's very profitable. I think Chevron, um, you know, we're 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 seeing uh, production become a big focal point. Chevron's, in the, I think, for the most part, uh, one of the their key regions saw production dip a little bit. I think you're you're probably going to see that, um, you know, the the spending plans. Um, are going to be somewhat refrained as you know these oil giants are, are focused on acquisitions and you know cost energies will eventually lead to some job losses. But I think overall, long term, we're probably going to see their production is going to remain supported at these levels. So um, I think there's there's good reason to anticipate that you know U.S. production is going to stay at record levels. I think you're going to see um, projects abroad. I mean. There, there's this belief here that you're going to see more production over the short term, but I think these companies are focused on net zero, and they're they're going to you know be eventually um, having less production levels. So I think the oil market's going to stay tight. I think you know you have two wars, you have you haven't seen any significant disruptions with Iranian crude, and I think that's why you know we're we're we've seen you know since the october 7th attacks there's there's not been a surge or we haven't been able to you know extend upon the initial gains so we'll see um how tight this market stays but right now the the growth picture good in the u.s it's stabilizing in germany it's europe's europe's it's it's all over the place but i think there's still good reason to anticipate the oil market's going to stay tight and looking at the uh, oil numbers, this time last week, guys, it was around about $92 a barrel, uh, Brent crude. Now, today, as we speak, it's around the 88 mark. Obviously, the geopolitical situation can change daily, but there does seem to be less of the nightmare scenarios that so many journalists, commentators, analysts have been uh, predicting there seems to be less of that kind of mood music around at the moment. Uh, and the idea of this broadening, of obviously it's early days, but broadening to Iran, the Lebanese border, I think markets seem to be much less worried about it than that. But as I've said, things can change by the day. And as I kind of always do, as we've, we've kind of pushed through this, this period recently together on the podcast with everything going on in, in Israel, um, there's several points to be made about oil, right? There's the supply side, there's the demand side. Whenever you're talking about uh, oil, you've got to consider those two things. And I think, um, Ed, I, I have kind of a, a, a question because this is something that kind of keeps me a little bit in the neutral camp of oil right now. You know, this week we saw some concerning stuff out of Europe. You mentioned to it just for a moment there. Um, you know, oil, uh, of course, uh, is is a marketplace and if economies around the world are seeing potential slowdown 
and as you mentioned, you know, possibly the uh, U.S. economy starting to peak. Uh, you see China perhaps exporting some of its disinflationary stuff. All these things considered, uh, the demand for oil is is a question mark for me because if you see the economy is potentially slowing down, wouldn't that kind of offer some lessening demand for oil? Now at the same time, as Johnny just pointed out, escalations in geopolitical conflicts they they impact the other side. There may be a supply shortage if any sort of uh, embargoes and any sort of boycotts or or uh, supply disruptions due to war. All of these things at play. What do you think, I guess, specifically, Ed, about the economy side, right? Because the geopolitics is a big question mark. There's, uh, you know, talks of de-escalation, then there's other things that would give you the other idea. So that barred to the side, in terms of economic slowdown, does that pose a demand threat to oil going forward? Obviously, a slowdown is is, is bad news for the demand outlook. Um, I think when you take a look broadly, um, you know, next week we're going to get a good sense as far as you know how's the recovery in China holding up. I think um, you know, given they just had a holiday, um, you're probably going to see some steady numbers. But I think no one is doubting that you know the uh, the continued efforts of more support to the economy is, is is going to keep China's economy heading in the right direction. Um, I think for the U.S. Um, there is clear signs that things are uh, becoming a, a lot tougher for for large parts of the country. The, the the demand outlook, though, still looks like it's going to hold up over the the short term. So I think when we take a look at um, prices that are being sold, um, the demand is still somewhat um, upbeat. Now, when we take a look at the noisy weekly EIA numbers, you know. The implied demand, you know, was was down across the board. Still, it's crude um, and gasoline. But but uh, you know, I'm anticipating that we're we're not going to see the economy, you know, go from you know this this very robust expansion to to a crawl. And um, I think it's it's still it's still going to you know require um, uh, I think it's a steady steady. Um, demand figures um while softer but still enough to keep this market tight um so so i think that there's probably going to be an expectation here that um you know oil is is predominantly right now it's still going to be your your key geopolitical risk barometer so i think when we see you know war premium grows then prices will rise when we we see optimism that maybe there's a um, a little bit of an easing of of these tensions, then you know prices will come down. I think uh, there's there's good reason to anticipate that you know the next big move in oil will will be de- determined by how 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 is European demand over the next few months, and some of that might be more weather related. Some of that will be focused on you know do we end up seeing some disruptions? I mean we you know we've had U.S. airstrikes over Syria targeting. Um, um, some Iran targets. I mean, the, the geopolitical risk is not going to ease um, anytime soon. I mean, they, there are negotiations for ceasefires, but I think in the end, you're 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 going to see that you know this this market's going to stay tight. Um, the messaging from the Saudis is that they're not looking to change policy. I think you're you're probably going to see, you know, will they 
they, they're only going to ramp up production if we start to see, you know, oil above, let's say 110, 120. That's when they know they need to control it. So I think we're, we're at a moment where production is going to remain elevated. U.S. levels are too low. So I think, you know, the risks are we could very well still see $100 oil at some point in the next month or two. The, the likelihood that we will start to see some disruptions is that that is growing. And I think if if we start to see Iran disruptions in place, I think there's a, a potential, um, you know, 5% move higher that we could see in oil prices. And once you have a, a big move like that, then you're you're inviting the algos and the high frequency trading systems to jump on that move. So 5% could become even more. So I, I think that everyone is sensitive to all the, the geopolitical angst, but um, I, I think this is a market that it's, it's very tough to, to bet on the demand destruction side of things and that prices are going to head lower. I think, you know, you, you still have major efforts that a lot of countries are still looking to refile, uh, refill their, their stockpile. So there's a um, good reason to anticipate that whenever you see a major dip in crude, um, there, there's likely several macro traders that are looking to buy that. Very interesting indeed. Thank you very much, uh, guys. Have a good weekend. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. 